morning we're going to be, oh, I forgot to do this, here you go. This morning we're going to be talking about uh, the, the picture of salt and uh, the picture of light. And uh, uh, this is a, a kind of a popular term almost in, on cars anymore is salt life. And I hope now when you see that to give you a different way of thinking now. It's, it's hopefully going to be a reminder to you of something completely different than what the driver is intending by the time I get done with, with this with this lesson this, this this morning. But one of the things that I think is so interesting to observe is we are, we're seeing at this beginning in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is is calling for people to have a blessed life, but that the blessed life is really through a countercultural upside down kingdom that you're going to be living differently than the way the world defines of what would be blessed and good and and right. And and so as Jesus now is calling for that, uh, I think one of the things that is particularly of note and of interest is that right after giving these what we call beatitudes, these blessings, descriptions of who is blessed in the kingdom of God, he immediately now turns to life purpose. And the reason I think that's interesting is because I think every human being has the question go through their mind, Why am I here? (laughs) What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with my time? And and you will notice that in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 13 through 16, he gives two pictures of purpose where he says, you are salt and and you are light. That these are purpose statements. This is who you are. This is what you're supposed to be. This is what you are supposed to do. And and we're going to look at these two pictures and then notice the conclusion that he draws from that of what this looks like then as being God's people and what that should be like on on a day-to-day basis. The the first image is is very simple and he says, you you are salt. And I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds in this because I think sometimes what happens is, is this gets read and then we go to the cultures of ancient Near Eastern times and there's uh, about a dozen ways that salt is used and then we go through all of that. And I want you to notice that Jesus is very simple about what he is looking at in regards to what he means by salt. And you'll notice he just simply says, if the salt has lost its flavor or saltiness. And the reason that he starts talking about that in, in thinking about the importance of salt and the use of salt in terms of flavoring, I, I think is interesting because it's something that is, is universal. Even still today, with all of our modern conventions with cooking and all of that kind of stuff, I'm not sure that I've, I like the cooking food network. I don't know that I've ever seen any of them not put salt in something that they make. They're always grabbing it and throwing it in there. And and then you might like adding some after the product and putting some on it as well. It, It is always about flavoring. It is always about this will make it taste better. And that was true even in the days for Israel, the people of God. Uh, You might remember that you even had God talking about how every offering needed to have salt in it. Meal offerings, every offering. Because the part that was burned up, that was considered given to God, 
would have salt on it. It was almost as if it was enhancing the flavor and it would be appropriate for him to consume on his part of the offering. Everything was about it would be salted. And that's why this statement is interesting after talking about just the simplicity of the use of saltiness. But notice what he says there. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He has one simple idea about salt. If salt is not salty, what's the point of salt? That's all he wants you to think about. If salt's not salty, what's the point of it? In fact, he kind of presses it a little bit more and says, it's good for nothing and would simply be discarded. I think we understand that picture pretty well. If you have an item, an object, something you've purchased, something that you've owned, and it no longer fulfills its purpose, it no longer works, what do you do with it? You throw it out. It is good for nothing. If you can't find a use for it, if it has no value anymore, if it's not accomplishing what it's supposed to do, it is good for nothing and you put it out in front of your house and the trash collector is going to pick it up or somebody who knows how to fix it will come along and they will fix it and do something with it. But to you, it is good for nothing. And that is the imagery that's being given here. And he talks about, now you are salt and if you are not fulfilling your purpose, it's not good for anything. It's a very interesting picture that he presents where he wants us to think about who we are and is putting forward to us. If we are not what God has asked us to be, if we are not fulfilling the purpose that he has given to us, then we are not useful to God. We're not fulfilling what God has placed us here for. Now, you'll notice he hasn't explained what that purpose is yet. He just wants to put forward first image. If you're not fulfilling your purpose, it's good for nothing. and It's worth being cast out. Notice he now immediately moves on to the next image after that in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand And it gives light to all in the house. Second image, simple image as well, is simply to say, I want you to think about the concept of light. Nobody uses light so that it is hidden. You are never in the dark and say, I need light. Let me put it somewhere so that it will be completely useless. Nobody puts their lamp under a bed and turns it on. You don't do that. That's not going to be of any use. It's not going to be of any help. That's the imagery that's being given here. Two pictures that he gives. People do not light a lamp and then put something over it, put put a basket over it. Rather, he speaks of it twice. He says, verse 15, to give light to all in the house. Notice in verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Light just shines. Two implications I want us to think about with the idea of light. If God tells us 
that we are the light of the world, then that means the world doesn't have light. Now you might go, no, that was really obvious. She must have worked really hard on that one. That, <laughs> but I want you to think about the implication of that. Because sometimes what we do as followers of Christ is think that the world is the place where there is light. That they have revelation and knowledge. And so we will follow them and listen to the world for its guidance, for its direction, for its way of thinking, for its values, for its life purpose, for its morality. So often what we will do is we will look at the world's ideas and we will agree with them. Go, well, I will find my life purpose and my meaning in what they say is how to live life. And I want you to hear Jesus saying, by implication, the world doesn't have light. You in the kingdom of God, you have light. They don't have it. And we must get our minds around that idea that so often we are longingly looking at the world and thinking, well, their way of looking at culture and life and society and morality and their values and systems and purposes, that's what we need to adopt. And Jesus is going, no, they're in darkness. Why would you go to the darkness for light? Nobody does that. If there is this massive room of darkness, you don't go in there going, I'm sure there's some light in here somewhere. It's dark. And yet so often that's what we do. And it is sometimes a a foolish pursuit that we give is to think that we're going to go and find light out there. Meaning is out there. Hope is out there. Satisfaction is out there. Direction is out there. And all of that. And here is Jesus going, no, no. You're the light of the world. Light's not out there. Light's in Christ. And not only do you have the implication of the world not having the right answer, but when you twice over see him talking about the essence of light and the picture that he gives in verse 15, he just wants you to think about it like this. Light is not hidden. Light is not hidden. You are the light of the world, and the light of a city is seen by all people. You are the light of the world. Nobody lights a lamp so that it can't be seen by all, but is rather placed in such a way so that all in the house are able to see. The first picture that is being given to us that I think is a challenge to us is that we cannot be hidden. Light, when it is doing its job, is not hidden, but it is evident to all. That's the simple meaning of being light of the world. There is nothing hidden about light. And to press it even further, he says, and you don't go out of your way to diminish the light. Don't take the lamp and put it under a basket. And he's warning us and reminding us that we should not be diminishing our influence. You are the light of the world. Don't hide it, but you need to shine. You need to shine in such a way so that all are able to see. 
And friends, I hope that we would consider this truth in our culture today, that as the world is getting darker, we need to shine all the more. In fact, as the world gets darker, it should become more obvious that we are light. It should just become clearer and clearer. As the darkness continues to come down and we look at society and go, oh, it is getting so dark. Well, guess what that means? We can't be hidden. We need to shine as lights to all those who are around us. And I think that's an important thing to consider because sometimes what we have the tendency to do is to think, well, as it's getting darker, we need to get around more people who are light. So we'll all just huddle up as a bunch of lights right here and we'll let all the darkness cascade all around culture and country, society and the world. But at least we're all together here shining as our little lights. That's not the picture. The picture is as it gets darker, there is a greater need to ensure that the lamp is not covered by the basket, but is shining brightly for all to see. This is our purpose. This is our role that we would step into that darkness and shine as a light in that culture, a light in that community, a light in that country, a light to everyone that we come in contact with. We're not going to diminish our light simply because the world is getting darker. Now notice in verse 16 that he ultimately gives the big purpose here. Verse 16. Here, why are we talking about salt and why are we talking about light? Well, here's the big deal. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Big life purpose, big application. Here's the idea. Let your light shine. Live your life in such a way so that people will glorify God. That's why you and I are here. We are here so that as we live our lives day in and day out, everything that comes along in life and everything that we have to do, that it will cause people to ultimately glorify God. We will do good works in the midst of darkness. And we're being pictured as that. As the darkness surrounds all the more, we are going to do good and we're going to do good in such a way so that people will see the good works and not praise you, not praise me, because, oh, isn't that great that you did something good, something nice, but that those good works would then be directed to people so that they will worship God. That's the purpose. That's why we're here. This is the idea that he is communicating to us about shining as light. To put it another way that I think would be helpful as we continue to live in the darkness and live in the world around us, that what God is trying to explain to us is that you and I are supposed to be shining like a lighthouse, like a beacon of hope to all the world. That the way we live our lives, the things that we say and the things that we do is going to cause people to see light and ultimately then glorify God. 
And I think that's an interesting picture because what that means in using the salt image and using the light image is that we are called to affect other people's lives. I think that's kind of hard in our culture right now. Our culture is very boxed up right now. Don't, we don't affect anybody. You just be you and you leave everybody alone. And everybody can just believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do and don't impose or affect or touch anything else. And I want you to see these two images don't allow that. Salt has to come in contact. Light has to come in contact. We are being called to have an impact on the lives of other people. We are being called to have an effect upon them like salt and like light. And I think that's an important image for us because not only do we have, I think, in our culture, this emphasis on independence and you do you and you do it by yourself and you do you and you do it by yourself and everybody just do their own thing and nobody touch each other and just be in isolation then that is really reminding us that we are going to have to break free of that kind of thinking and interact with people we're really going to have to work hard to break free from that kind of I'm alone and I only am going to talk to the people that I know or the people that I like or only my family or whatever it is. We're going to have to break out of that and interact with people in the world. We're going to have to interact beyond our own home. We're going to have to interact with people beyond with who's in here. We're going to have to reach out beyond that. That is the imagery that's, that's being given to us, that our life, our work, and our purpose cannot be worked out alone. What's the point of being salt if it only sits in the salt shaker? And what's the point of light if it sits by itself and doesn't reach anybody? There is an implication about how we affect other people, how we interact with other people. And I hope that we would notice that this description here that is given in verse 16, let your light so shine to others so that they may see your good works. I want you to think about that idea for a minute. And as we think about the world and its darkness and how it moves away from God and continues in that direction, that that means something important. We've already talked about we're not going to surround ourselves with other light, but it's going to give us more opportunities to those who are in the darkness. If the world is moving further and further away from God and godliness, then think about how all the more our good words and works will have as an impact in the darkness. As another another way to put it, as the good works of the world just kind of keep declining and declining, the more the world should be seen our good works. We are going to have greater opportunity to shine as light in the darkness. We're going to be more opportunity to do these good works, more opportunity for people to be astounded. Why are you doing the things that you do? Why do you live your life that way? Why are you doing good? Why do you do good even though it will harm you in the moment? 
Why not just take the easy way out? Why not just lie? Why not just steal? Why not just do something that would be like that? Who's going to know? Who's going to care? Just seek out your own best interest. Why do you live differently to your own harm? It's going to be a chance, a greater opportunity to shine with our good works and to have God glorified. And one of the things that I think is important to think about is that we can't retract from that mission. We can't retract from that purpose. I wish there was a a verse 16 part C that says, and if being salt and light is hard, that's okay. Just leave it to the people who can handle that. Okay, great. Yeah. Those extroverts out there, they can be that. But us introverted people here, we'll just, you know, sit back and let them take care of it. (laughs) No, this is who you are. This is your purpose. Each and every one of us is salt. Each and every one of us is light. And I I want us to think about that in, in, in a really important way in terms of application. First thing that I really want us to think about, if... The goal of life then is to give God glory and that you are salt and light. And the first thing I just want you to think about is what you do today and what you now do this week and hopefully what you will then do the rest of your lives and what you will remember when you drive around and see salt life is that you will think about fulfilling your purpose. All that Jesus is saying here is you need to act like who you are. Your salt and your light. And so you need to act that way. You need to act like salt. And you need to act like light. You need to shine so that people can see your good works and glorify God. And I want us just to think about that in terms of your daily walk with God. Make these questions very personal to you in the moment. What do people see in you and hear from you? When you're at work, are you salt and light? Do they hear the way you talk and see the things that you do and see your good works and hear your good words and would glorify God? Is what you're doing on your job bringing that out? Because what Jesus is saying is you're salt and light. That's supposed to be happening. People are supposed to see your good works and glorify God. How about your neighbors? What do they hear come out of your mouth? And what do they see in your works? And are you saying things and doing things so that they would see those good works and hear those good words and glorify God? How about even complete strangers? You know, the complete strangers where you get your coffee or uh, your grocery store you're at a restaurant, the people that you inter- interact with that you don't know who they are, what do they see in you? And what words do they hear out of you? Do they see your good works? Do they hear good words? Do you do things and represent God in such a way that they would glorify God and how you treat them and how you handle them? Everything that we do has that lens on it. What about your family members who are not Christians? Are you salt and light? 
Do they hear your good words and see your good works so that they would glorify God by how you live and how you talk? There is no limits to where the salt and light imagery goes. We are supposed to be salt and light in every single relationship, everywhere we go. We need to be salt and light here. We need to be salt and light when we leave. We need to be salt and light when we drive, which is really hard right now. It's just bring on summer and send them away. You know, it's, it's hard. Are we going to be salt and light when work gets really tough? Employees aren't treating you the way that they should. Your boss asks you to do things that are unethical, immoral, sinful. Or how you treat your neighbors, doing good works toward them, showing them kindness. Kindness to the people who are serving you, even though you're having a really rough day because the alarm didn't go off and you're flying out the door and everybody's in the way and they just need to hurry up. And You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. A very important picture. The second thing that goes with it, though, that I think sometimes comes up when we talk about being the salt and light that God wants us to be is it's going to hurt to do this. It's going to hurt to do this. Remember what chapter 5, verse 11 said? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You're going to have that happen. In fact, it might be one of the reasons why you are diminishing your light and not wanting to shine so bright is because you have had interactions with people where you've tried to be salt and light and it hasn't gone very well. And it's led to insult. It's led to difficulty. It's led to rejection. It's led to pain. It's led to hardship. It's led to loss. And sometimes we walk into that and go, well, I must have done something wrong. I'm not going to do that again. It's almost like putting your hand on the burner and go, well, I'm not going to walk into that one again. But Jesus told us that was going to happen. As we shine as light, there are going to be instances where people are going to reject that. Where people are actually going to hurt us back for doing that kind of thing. To directly persecute us and revile us, by the way. The only way for them to do what verse 11 says, which is insult you, revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of false things against you as evil can only happen if you are interacting with them as salt and light. If we all diminish our light and hide, nobody's ever going to revile us or persecute us or give us any trouble whatsoever. Which is, I think, sometimes then what we do. It's much safer that way. We'll just shine a little bit of light every once in a while or cast a little salt every once in a while when we think it's safe. We think it's going to be okay. So we'll just do it a little right there. And that's enough. It's going to hurt. 
But I hope you'll see the promise. Yes, some people are going to insult you and revile you and persecute you, but not everybody. Here in verse 16, he doesn't say, shine and do your good works so because they're all going to see God in you and they're going to hate you, period. No, some people are going to glorify God. Some people are going to receive it. And the thing is, you and I don't know who that is. You and I don't know who that is. And sometimes we try to be the, the, the soil inspector of sorts. And rather than being like the sower who casts the seed everywhere, we hold on to and wait to see, okay, do we think this person might be receptive enough that I would maybe... We don't know who that's going to be. And you've probably been surprised at the people who you thought would become believers and haven't. And you have probably been surprised by the people who you thought wouldn't and have. Our job is not to discern. Our job is to be salt and light. And sometimes it's going to hurt. And sometimes they're going to glorify God. And we have to keep shining. And I want to underscore this a little bit more because I want you to again read what he said back in verse 13 where he started all of this. If salt is not salty, what is it good for? It's not good for anything. And friends, if we're not doing good works so that God is glorified, we're not fulfilling our purpose. And we're fooling ourselves if we think that we belong to the kingdom of God. He says we're good for nothing and worth being cast out. You're here to be salt. You are here to be light. Don't diminish the influence. Salt can't stop being salt. It is so funny to read how many scholars go, I don't understand this imagery because salt doesn't deteriorate. Salt is always salt. And so they don't know what to do with this. And it's like, that's the point. (laughs) Salt has to be salt. Light has to be light. If we're the people of God, we can't be anything else. We must interact in the world that way. We must reach out in that way. We must think about how we can do good works in a moment where it is so easy to be selfish And self-protective. That's the easy thing to do. It is defend self, protect self. I don't want to get hurt. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that? Aren't you glad he didn't do that? Because if Jesus was all about self-preservation, we'd all be done. We can't live lives about self-preservation, but as salt and light. Some will enter, some will not. Some will rejoice, some it's going to hurt. But that's the mission. I'm going to end with this one thing. I heard a brother say this recently, and I found it extremely convicting and painful, so I thought I'd share it with you to increase the pain of this lesson. (laughs) You're welcome. He asked this. 
If you were paid $500 every time you spoke to people about Jesus, would you do it more often? I heard that and I went. Because what he pointed out is at the end of the day, the reason we're not salt and light is because we don't want to be. That's the reason why. Is because we don't find enough motivation in Christ to be what we have been called to be. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe all of us could come before you with our hands guilty for the times that we have failed to live to the purpose that you have given to us as salt and light. Lord, forgive us for how many times we have decided not to affect the lives of others. Forgive us for how many times we have diminished our light because the darkness seems so great. Forgive us for being more concerned about our comfort and our own preservation rather than the souls of others. And Lord, I pray that your words that we have heard this morning about who we are would dramatically change our hearts and change the way that we look at people in the world. Lord, help us to be bold. Lord, help us to not fear. Help us to know that you are always with us no matter what we experience. Help us to remember, Lord, that it is your praise and glory That should be all that matters to us and not the praise and glory and well wishes of people in the world. Help us to see that you are light and the world is not light. Help us to direct our attention always to you. And Lord, help us to change our motivations so that we would be far more zealous for your ways, for your word. Help us to break out of the cultural boxes that we sometimes get locked into so that we will do good deeds and speak about your son to the strangers, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our family. Help us to be motivated to live as you have called us to live. Lord, we want to be useful in your service. We do not want to be without our purpose so that we are cast out. Bring us back into your light. Bring us back into your ways. And Lord, please just put it in our hearts and convict us every time we fail at an opportunity to affect other people with good deeds and good words about your son. Help us to see it. Help us to be more aware of it. And help us to live in a way that you have called us to live so that we can belong to you, to belong to eternity and belong in your kingdom. This we pray through your son and our savior, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. You might remember, well, how long ago was that now? 2019, three years ago. We had started on Wednesday nights about talking about how we can do those things, and then COVID struck, and we had to settle all that aside. We're going to bring that back soon, and I'll let you know about those uh, when that class comes around, about how we can do better about being salt and light and encourage one another. But I hope that last screen was just so convicting to you. Uh, because it just blew me down to think about what a difference that is because it is so easy to make a lot of excuses about why we don't do what we do. And at the end of the day, you can usually strip all of those excuses away and it just comes down to we don't want to. And I hope that we'll think about that. And you'll think about being salt and being light and live that life for the glory of God. We help you come to Jesus this very day, turning away from your sins, following him with all of your heart, baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to make that offer to you. Jesus is light. He is the way of truth. He is the one who can change your life. The world doesn't have that. Only he does. He has what you need uh, for life, for satisfaction and true joy. We want you to have that. Can we help you do that? Let us know or come forward while we stand and while we sing.